Well, what do you say about Senga and his season this year? You can see it in his Toyota numbers. Take this on for size. Third in ERA at 3.08. Fifth in batting average against the 210. Swung on and missed, and Kodai Senga has his first strike out of the evening. Strike three called. He got him, so there it is. There's strikeout number 178 for Kodai Senga, tying Jerry Kuzman for second all time. Swung on and missed strike three. So Senga gets Castro. The 0 2. Take it in there for a called strike three. So there's strikeout 180. The payoff. Swung on and missed strike three. Went with the four seam fastball, blew it right by Kirilov, two away. We're back. Kodai Senga. Look, you guys know when I'm wrong, I'm going to be accountable to myself. And I've been wrong about a few things. I still don't think I was wrong about Chris Bassett. He's pretty much had the same type of year when you look at the whole pie out in Toronto. And the Blue Jays very well might be in the postseason. And I think the Mets miss him. And I think they should have signed him along with Senga. And I think maybe they could have withstood the Quintana injury a little bit. But when you start to look at Senga, and, you know, to me, you heard some of the, the numbers that Ron Darling cited, uh, you know, coming in on the uh, the clip. And, you know, whether it's ERA, strikeout rate, he's top 5, 6, you know, a war, he's in the top 15 to 20 for pitchers. And, you know, clearly he's a guy that should get some Rookie of the Year votes. And maybe he gets some down-ballot Cy Young votes. I'm not going to get too deep into the Cy Young and the Cy Young award when it comes to this thing. I, I don't really care. It's an individual award. You know, maybe when the season's all said and done, we'll dive a little bit deeper into it. But for me, you know, most of Senga's resume, impressive resume, happened, you know, around June 1st. And I think maybe when he had that outing against the Phillies, that really good outing against the Phillies, you started to see him, the worm turn a little bit. That was the end of May, early June when that happened. And in the second half, let's just take what fan graphs, what baseball reference has as the second half. Uh, I wanted to go look at the walk rate because to me from the eye tests, the thing that I noticed about Singh is not walking as many batters. He doesn't seem to be laboring through. Now, he did on Friday against the Twins a little bit, but he was able to navigate it and get out of it. You know, one of the things early, you know, I go back to even those Oakland, San Francisco starts where he was just would just labor through the game with so many three-ball counts, so many 2-0 counts, and then not make it through five innings. So, you know, Senga in the second half has a walk rate of about 3.45 per nine. Still a tick high. I'd like to get it down to about three. But if you told me that's where it's going to stay, with his strikeout rate, with the amount of uh, lack of contact there is against him, he could be successful. Walks killed. You know this, anybody who is a listener of this show, whether it be in the bullpen, the rotation, teams that walk a lot of batters, pitching staffs that walk a lot of batters, are not going to be successful, and those are not winning teams. You can't issue free passes and win baseball games. Maybe you could win some games, or maybe survive it over a small period, but in the long run, you cannot be a successful team with walks. It's a simple adage of baseball going back to... Abner Doubleday. I'm sorry. That's just 
period. That's I believe that, and it's gonna be hard for anybody to to email me and contact me, and 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 you know, tell me anything different. So, you know, really good whip in July. Had a whip under one in July. So Singa is starting to make you wonder: Did the Mets steal an ace? Now I don't think Singa is an ace. I'm not ready to say I was completely wrong about Singa. I still think the walks are a problem. Uh, you know, those who are into mechanics are a little concerned about his mechanics, and there could be reason to believe that he can't pitch consistently on a normal five-man rotation without spacing out his starts. But that could be the issue for every Japanese player, including Yamamoto, who's got some rough mechanics too. I mean, look, I'm not just saying because Chris O'Leary on, on Twitter is saying it. Just look at the 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 video. A novice person can see those are rough mechanics. And if you remember correctly, and this is probably not going to be remembered, it was thrown away. But when they did the physical, there were some things that came up on saying this physical that were concerning, and the Mets worked through it, and Singh actually was quite appreciative of it. So right now, I would say this. I think, you know, Singh to me was a back-end 4-5 guy when he signed. I didn't think he'd be better than that. I thought he was replacing more Taiwan Walker Carrasco than he was Bassett. I can confidently say if he's healthy that this is a number three he's gonna have nights where i think he could pitch like an ace or number two but he's a number three with nights or stretches that he could pitch at the top of the rotation he's still not averaging quite six innings per start you want to be an ace a couple of things that has to happen for you to be an ace one you got to get into the seventh inning consistently that's a mike silva credo used to be the eighth or the ninth that's not baseball anymore you got to get into the seventh inning. If you can't get into the seventh inning, hard for me to say you're an ace because for you to complete seven innings, you're just handing six outs over to the bullpen. You give your team so much better chance to win. That's number one. Um, you have to be able to get into the seventh inning. And, you know, number two, and I understand it was the culture in Japan. And look, Senga has shown a work ethic and a desire to assimilate into American culture and to be the best American, not the best Japanese baseball pitcher in America, but the best, it seems like to me, the best American pitcher possible. You know, he's got the ball and the difference in ball under wraps. You know, they're trying to space him out for his innings. They're, they're treating him, even though he's 30 years old, the Mets are treating him like, uh, you know, someone who, you know, has some minor league innings that they have to manage at this point. It looks like they're doing that. They're going to have a sixth starter. Now, Going forward, if that treatment is necessary, and it's possible to keep him healthy, to keep him effective, uh, you know, it's very possible that that's going to have to continue. I'm sorry, that's not an ace. So I don't look at him as an ace. You know, even Quintana, who I think is a guy, and Quintana's another guy, he profiles to me as a three or four. You know, he reminds me a lot of Taiwan Walker, but he's a guy that I think, when healthy, in a groove, could easily give you six innings, two runs. You know, maybe he gets into the seventh if his pitch count is low, uh, but I don't think he's going to consistently do that. I think you got a guy that'll get you 18 outs. So right now you got yourself a good 3-4. So what does that mean for the rotation going into, you know, 20, 2024? Well, it means the Mets have to spend on some pitching. And they've said they are, but that's where this thing gets complicated. Now, you saw Tyler McGill throw, what, five shutout innings again today. He walked four batters. Peterson, it's funny because I waver on this. I watched a little bit of Peterson yesterday. I saw the video where he's changed his, where he comes to the set. Uh, you know, he certainly looks to be better Peterson. 
you know, I'd have to do a deeper dive. You know, one of the, the segments we'll do, I promise, before the uh, the season's out is to kind of dive into McGill and Peterson since, you know, they, they've they come back and, and been part of the rotation post-Scherzer, post-Verlander trade. You know what? Peterson is better. You know, McGill has been better. I don't think you could go into next season with them as your 4-5. or five. You just can't. That's that's not a good baseball team. They have not shown any consistency. There's nothing they can do in the final, you know, three, four weeks. And 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 honestly, they've been pitching in this rotation for the last, you know, they'll wind up at the end of the year pitching the last six or seven weeks. There's nothing that they could do that will convince me that they're ready to take the ball every five days and be an adequate fifth starter. To be a fifth starter on a team that's going to compete for a playoff spot, you have to be league average. You have to be able to go out there and give you six innings, three runs, just like Peterson did on Saturday. He kept them in the game. Bullpen imploded, not his fault. McGill, to a certain degree, can do the same thing, and he's done that. Can they consistently do that? Would I trust both of them in the rotation? Absolutely not. I think one of them eventually is going to have to be a long reliever. Do they go into the Trevor Williams role? I don't know. I mean, that's a different you know conversation for later in the offseason when things kind of crystallize. But you know, right now, you probably are going to go into spring training with Senga as your three, Quintana as your four, and then you're going to see potentially, uh, you know, who from the McGill, Peterson, Lugazi, Mike Vazel, you know, maybe, you know, you throw in some of the kids at some point in the season, Tidwell, Hamill, Scott Stewart, Yoander you, Suarez now throws a no-hitter in Biggins, and maybe that's a name that's popped up on the radar here. You know, those are, you know, that's not terrible. Looking at some of these kids, how they are, that's not terrible depth. You're going to need about 10 starters. I just rattled off four, let's see, you know, four at the big league level. Uh, Tidwell, Hamill, Scott, Stewart is eight. Suarez is nine. Lucchese is 10. You know, you got yourself, you know, about 10, 11 pitchers already without even going into free agency that you could look towards in 2024. That's not bad. And maybe you go out and you sign Carrasco to a minor league deal, bring him back to spring training, see you know, maybe he needs surgery. I know he got a, a shot for bone chips. Maybe there's something going on in that elbow again that potentially, you know, the Mets kind of know the guy. You know, he's not going to get a lot of offers. Uh, you know, I think he's done. But who knows? Maybe there's something going on physically because he did have uh, a somewhat decent 20-2022 uh, on that 100-win team. So, you know, maybe he comes. You could do that with other veterans, not just Carrasco. But the real question is, so if Singh is not an ace, do the Mets have one? And the answer is no. And... You know, look, I don't know if they really have anybody out there that's worth paying big money. Uh... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, to bring in, to be, you know, a B or B-minus pitcher that you call an ace. Like, Aaron Nola, is he really an ace? An interesting pitcher. You know, maybe Shohei Otani could go and be a number two again at some point. Uh his agent seems to be optimistic about the arm injury. They're being a little secret about it. You know, that's going to be the where the winner starts. The winner starts with Otani. Is Otani an option? Because he, everything pops from him. 
Then you have Yamamoto and some other Japanese options that may, you know, not going to cost you draft picks. So maybe you go that route. But you can't, you know, you got to treat those players just like you treated Senga coming in with a lot of caution. Yeah, their numbers and they profile better than Senga Yamamoto, but they're an un- unknown quantity who are going to be going through the same challenges of the culture and the food and the baseball and the every five days and the travel and all the other stuff. You know, and who knows, you know, does, uh, you know, do they go and they maybe go and get a Jordan Montgomery? That's an early name that intrigues me. But if you go up and down the starting pitchers, you know, Blake Snell comes across as the most ace out of those who are out there that are not Otani. But do you want to give a 30-year-old who's been inconsistent and couldn't get anybody out in a playoff game a year ago uh, a a five- or six- or seven-year deal and want to have to eat more money? I mean, Cohen's already had to eat so much money. I think Snell's a high-risk, long-term signing. Urias looks like he just, you know, off-the-field incident, looks like he just played himself out of the league, potentially. So, Senga's not an ace, but he's important. And he's become more important than you could imagine. So, don't Mike Silva, if, if, if I was the GM, I wouldn't have signed him. I would have given the money to Bassett. I would have, you know, you know, bet on Bassett, which is, you know, still a good bet. Probably would have bet on Bassett over Quintana, but then I would have been robbing the Mets of this potential. And look, I could be wrong. He's shown so much improvement so quickly. He's such a good, positive personality, it seems like. And he does have good stuff that if he gets ahead of the count and throws strikes, that fork, that ghost fork is deadly. It's a high swing and miss strikeout pitch. Uh, you know, let's not discount his ability to be an ace but certain things, certain things have to happen. More economical pitch counts, getting into the seventh inning. And I honestly think if he's, go- and if, I don't know if this is possible, maybe doing this will hurt him and he'll expire a little bit quicker. And I know he's got an opt out after three years, so who knows? You might, you know, you might need to re- have a conversation about resigning him after his third year, a conversation for another day. But, you know, you have to pitch every five days for you to be an ace, and he's not. Now, is he, at this point, what you've seen of Scherzer on the back half of his career and Verlander's, even despite Verlander getting through outings, but his peripherals aren't great, is he any worse than those guys? No, he's not. But those guys still have that Hall of Fame in them, and they can jack it up at different times. They just can't consistently do it. Let's see them do it in a postseason spot. There is no Verlander. There is no Scherzer. The last couple of seasons, because you still had DeGrom up until this year, you had DeGrom, so you had an ace. You were looking to get your Batman and Robin scenario. That's gone. It's possible the Mets are going to go into next year with a rotation of a lot of number threes. Now, if you look at the 1999 Mets, Al Leiter, in the same vein as Senga, was kind of a number two. Maybe you want to say Senga's a number two. Maybe you could do that. So Al Leiter led those teams, but you had a lot of number threes like Kenny Rogers and... And Yoshi, maybe he was more of a four. And Rick Reed. And guys like that. Bobby Jones, more of a four or five. So you had a rotation full of threes and fours and fives. That's why if you're not going to get high-end, top-of-the-rotation uh, ace talent, you really can't go on McGill and Peterson. The rotation would be too shallow. As it is, the Mets are going to be coming into next year with a lot of question marks. I don't see a scenario where the Mets address all their needs in the offseason via trade, free agency, or even have an idea about the development of their rookies and their prospects, that they will go into spring training without a plethora of questions. And I think this year coming in, in 2024, into next year, I should say, 
you might have more positional battles and more interesting spring training dialogue and shows than we've had in a long time. Because there'll be so many kids trying out for the team. There probably will be question marks. There'll be guys coming back, potentially like a Beatty or a McNeil and, you know, players that didn't have the greatest seasons that you're going to want to see. You know, can they be everyday players? Are they valuable parts of a winning club? So it'll be interesting. You know, in a rotation of a lot of threes, sure, Singer looks like an ace in that situation. But, you know, there's no Scherzer. There's no Verlander. Blake Snell is not that guy. Noel is not that guy. Urias, even before the domestic issue, not that guy, in my opinion. So now they have to be more creative. Is there a lot of Jordan Montgomery's out there? Are there guys that they haven't, we haven't even talked about that are promising, that are value-driven, that they could go inside? A Michael Waka type, let's say, who's done really well in San Diego. Hey, Seth Lugo's got a player option. Maybe he opts out and comes back. He's done a nice job as a starting pitcher. Love to have Seth Lugo back. So, anyway, let's take a quick break. Final segment. Who, out of all the baby Mets, ugh, I hate that term, is the best? And are the baby Mets even good prospects? I have my thoughts. Ed Blankmeyer, who used to coach St. John's baseball and was a Mets minor league coach for all these guys at some point. He's no longer there. Had some thoughts the New York Post. So we'll round up the show, talk about that right after this.